Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into Talking About Balls. I am Justin George, coming to you with Kyle Price. Kyle, what's going on? Not much, man. How's it going? You know, not bad. We are officially at the close of the 2019 NFL season. It's over. It's Super Bowl so, 54 is so done. So quick. Uh, it really it, it it was, but it wasn't. It felt that season <laughs> felt like a couple seasons blended into one. We've had some we've had some rough Brown seasons over the past, but that one was was tough. <clears throat> Expectations shoot yourself in the foot sometimes. Yeah, but I mean that's that's the difference between being a Browns fan and being a fan of any other team because you look at a team like the Chiefs, they probably went in with some good expectations and they lived up to those expectations. And they had some scares this year too. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Mahomes' knee and all that. I so, thought he was done for the year. I mean, when you put together a <laughs> decent team, you do go in with expectations, and some teams just shit the bed, and they show that they're not uh, they're not ready for prime time, and that's exactly what the Browns did. This and year. I thought the Chiefs were going to lose the Super Bowl too, but there were some moments they, they but played. that's the other thing, like. I went in with low expectations for the San Francisco 49ers. Right. They ended up being the best team in the NFC. I went into the season with the Titans having low expectations. Titans were, you know, a few few plays away from going to the Super Bowl themselves, but right. they makeshift roster, if you will. So just goes to show you that the NFL is, is tricky. It's crazy. Anything can happen any given Sunday. Um, but, yeah, so the, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the the pride of Kansas. They are they are Super Bowl champions, thirty one to twenty. Uh, good game overall. I thought it was a good game. Yeah, I, honestly, I I that's probably the best Super Bowl I've seen in a couple years. Easily, yeah. I mean, anything <laughs> better than last year, but yeah, uh, and it was nice for me because I am a little biased and I hate the Patriots. Uh, so it was good going in with with two teams that I didn't really care about. Like right. I was, yeah, I stayed. It was on a nice shakeup. There it was like not yeah. It, the, who you didn't expect i'm sorry who you expected to be in a super bowl wasn't in the super bowl so it yeah. was worth watching but I, I thought the uh the gameplay itself um just the defense the offense the up and downs i i mean i thought it was a hell of a fucking game and i thought the cool thing of it was it was like a it was like a story basically like a movie a script right the beginning of it these young players never been this far before they've never been to super bowls and they all they all everybody played a little scared sure and then as the game went on everybody got a little looser and the Chiefs got way loose, and that was kind of it for San Francisco. But, I mean, as I said before, I think San Francisco's issue is always going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, He's a serviceable quarterback. I think they really overpaid him, and I don't think he'll ever be able to lead them to the finish line. I hope no local uh, Cleveland sports uh, sports talks are listening to the show right now. Because... Yeah, they uh, they love – they would immediately they said Jimmy Garoppolo is, uh, you know, head and shoulders better than Baker Mayfield. They'd take him over Baker any day of the week. Uh, a lot of them said that the best they can hope for is for Baker to turn into Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, if, if that, I think the quote was, "We'd be in the playoffs this year, right?" Well, if we that had... was a different one. They said, "If oh, we had Jimmy Garoppolo, then then we would be in the playoffs." But they also said that Baker's ceiling is Jimmy Garoppolo, and they'd be okay with that. That's what they were literally saying. The number one overall pick, they'd be okay with him being a guy that sometimes you don't even throw ten game ten times in a game because yeah. it's run heavy offense. Yeah, no. So it's, it's just stupidity. That's why. That's why we do this show, people, because Cleveland sports talk and just sports talk in general, I think those people are stupid for the most part. Yeah, I I mean, there are a few people I enjoy listening to, but those few people I enjoy listening to also have a show with someone I don't like listening yes. to. So it really makes it hard to like want to just listen to that one person talk. Because I've listened to sports talk my whole life, whether it be local, national, sure. whatever. I've listened to it all. I hate Jim Rome. I'm very open about that. <laughs> I think he's a douchebag. He's so blunt. It's I, funny. I, I don't like him. I... I'm trying to think of other like national shows that I've listened to before that I just that it didn't do it for me. I mean, Mike and Mike, Mike I thought sucked. Mike and Mike are interesting. They just try to be funny, but the the funny the best part about them was when the when it leaked that they didn't really like each other, 
Yeah. That's like that's it, when I was like, oh shit, now that's when you, it's when you tune in, you're like, when you listen argue, for it, you're yeah. like, oh, it's just for show, and then you start to hear it, you're like, oh, these guys actually do hate each other, so that was kind of <laughs> cool. Um, but then, I mean, just overall, they've had a lot of really dumb takes. Don't get me wrong, I've had some dumb takes myself when it comes to sports, but um, like Greenberg has talked shit about, you know, just, I don't even remember exactly, but he puts out really stupid tweets that make me hate him, and... I don't know. Just locally, the local radio sports talk is awful, in my opinion. Yeah. I can't. I can't handle it. No, I mean, there's only one person I listen to would be Ken Carmen, and if he can make, if they could record Ken Carmen for 12 hours a day and just have him talk about sports, I'd tune into that. Yeah, that's why for me, when I fell in love with Ken Carmen, was his night show. Oh, because it was off. Because the... it was just him and and Kenny Kidd, his uh yeah you know, producer phone. I don't even know what the fuck his title is, but um, it was just the two of them. It was late nights. So they kind of got away with a little bit more. And it was just a great show. He was by himself, so it yeah. was just it was so much better. And, and then now he's got a co-host, and I'm not a fan of the co-host either. He's no. the one who loves Jimmy G. Said you know he would take Jimmy G over Baker. Right. Browns would be a playoff team with Jimmy G. Um, if Baker turns into Jimmy G, that's the best we could hope for. I, I swear he just picks whatever far wrong side of the equation he can be on and just runs with it. And that's other local shows too. Like I don't want to dwell on local radio for too long to start the show off, but. Um, on 850, I used to listen to Tony Rizzo for years. I was actually a regular on the show. I would call in. I was they knew me as Justin in Parma. Rizzo actually played football with my wife's husband or uh, my wife's father when they were in, in school, so he knows him by name. So I'd always say like, "Hey, hey Tony, you know, uh, I'm dating Mike Stefanson's daughter." And he'd go, "Oh my god, are you kidding me? I can't believe I'm that." Like, he was a really nice guy. Sure. We actually had like a little bit of a relationship. And uh just, you know, a little too long listening to that. I got it got old quick. It's just two guys that you could tell roll out of bed. They just kind of go, they wing it. They basically open up Google at about 8.55. The show starts at 9, and that's where they get their information. They don't right. do any research. It sounds like Rizzo goes to bed at 8 o'clock. He's not watching any games. Doesn't know anyone's names. Yesterday, they had Tony Grossi on, verbatim. They were talking about... Oh, is this... Oh, I, yeah, I They were talking about the coaching staffs, and I'm not fucking with you. He literally just goes, yeah, they're, uh, they're reported to hire, you know, whatever. I forgot the guy's name off the top of my head because it's not my story. The what's-his-face guy? And then he goes, yeah, but uh, he goes, yeah, they, they just hired some guy. I, I don't remember his name. I can't pronounce it. And then he goes, and they hired uh, another guy for this position, coach. And he goes, but uh, his name, I don't I don't even know what it is. And I'm thinking in my head, like, that's your fucking job. Like, me not knowing it right now is one thing because I had a full-time – I worked my day job today. Yeah, I didn't. I don't get paid to do that. Yeah, this, I don't yeah. get paid to do that. I don't yeah. get paid to research and write sure. articles like he does. And he goes on the, on air, a national – or a local – I don't know, kind of national, I guess, ESPN uh, show – and literally goes, eh, I don't remember his name. Right. Great reporting. Do you think he's doing it on purpose, though, just to be a smartass because it's the ever-turning wheel of the Browns coaching? You know, I would think not because he is a very bitter person. Don't get me wrong. Tony Gross oh, is. Oh, nobody likes him. The only thing, though, is that because he's on – not I wouldn't say thin ice, but because he's under a radar a little bit or under a microscope with fans about how dumb he is, I would hope that he doesn't do this to himself to just draw more negative attention if so, maybe he maybe he is that kind of person. He maybe he thrives off that. Well, you saw that. I think I tagged you in that tweet where that guy like created a fake story. Yeah, and then he, and he yeah he he, <laughs> he wrote an article about it right away. Told that's him, that's told him the Browns were linked hilarious. to some like CFL coach or something like that, and tagged him in it or, or texted him. Somehow got his number and said like, "Oh, I'm a good source. I know this." And Grossi wrote wrote a fucking article yep. about it. Shows you how much research he does. He. If you're a reporter before you publish something, you should get at least two sources. Mm-hmm. So this way you can confirm it's legit. He obviously didn't do that. Not one source is good article. enough. One so, source. Yeah, that backfired quickly. <laughs> well, we got off on a tangent, but yeah, but it happens. But the Super the Bowl, show. though, honestly, I mean, just real quick thoughts. I loved it. The game was great. I I think that I, I was rooting for San Francisco. I think I picked them one last time we talked. 
Um, I was excited. Yeah, you were wrong again. <laughs> good thing we Good thing we have any bets. Um, I, I but honestly, I think the reason being is because they tried to do what they normally do is run the game, run the ball, and I think Kansas City schemed very well for it. Yeah. I think that maybe they got hit a couple times to start the game and they got caught off guard, but then Kansas City just clamped down and yeah. they couldn't run the ball in the second half at all. And I think that was the key to San Francisco's success for most of the season is that they that zone run game is incredible. I mean, they could take any 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 Joe Schmo off the street and turn him into a solid running back simply because the way they scheme their offense. The zone blocking, they're, the, the, the players are masterful at it. However... With that being said, it's just like what the Chiefs did against the Titans. Chiefs took the ball out of Derrick Henry's hands, said, I'm yeah. going to make Ryan Tannehill beat me. Ryan Tannehill couldn't do it. They took the ball off the, out of the, off the ground in, uh, against San Francisco and said, Jimmy Garoppolo beat me. Couldn't do it. No. So um, that's the folly of not having a franchise quarterback in the NFL. And that's why I don't think teams like the Ravens and you know the, the, the Niners, for instance, are legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They're great teams, number one seeds, you know, this and that, don't get me wrong. But in in the long haul, that's just not sustainable. You're going to face a team with a franchise quarterback and a, and a powerful offense like the Chiefs. You're not keeping up with that. So you think the uh, between the two teams, the, the uh, Chiefs will be back before the Niners will? I would think so, yeah. I mean, as long as nothing happens to Patrick Mahomes or anything. I mean, you have Kelsey, you have Tyreek Hill, and you have Andy Reid. So I think for the long term, they're going to be all set. Defensively, that could be the issue, though, because their defense, it, it, it really found itself late in the season. Right. Um, but going in, I mean, that was a downfall for them last year. They had such a powerful offense, but their defense gave up almost just as many points every week. This year, their defense clamped down. They added Tyron Matthew. They are, did they get him? I think they got him last year, actually. I don't they remember. They signed him last year, I think. Yeah. yeah. They trade for him, they signed him. I think they signed him. No, they traded for him. I think maybe they did. Either way, but so they did have him last year. Yeah, but but yeah. So either way, their 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 defense was a little suspect suspect last year, and this year I think they were just able to figure it out. And when you go up against a team like the the Chiefs, or, or I'm sorry, like the Titans, or like the Niners, your main focus is just stop the run because the, you're not afraid of the quarterback. Whereas against the Chiefs, if you focus on stopping the run, Patrick Mahomes is going to kill you. If you focus on stopping the pass. The running game and Patrick Mahomes running is going to kill you. Yeah, so thought, there, that's that's the difference between a. I thought Williams. I thought Williams had a very legit case to be the MVP of that game. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I, mean, I like I, I mean, of course, Patrick two touchdowns, Mahomes, one on the ground, one. Patrick, one in Patrick the Mahomes area. is a sexy pick, of course. Yeah. You know, is what it is. But I, I thought that Williams was. the I think most that's what consistent. gave the edge to Mahomes was because three total touchdowns, and just being the quarterback. So that's what kind of gave him the edge. Like, don't get me wrong, Damian Williams had a hell of a game. <clears throat> The only thing, though, is the biggest chunk of his plays came at the end of the game. And that, that I mean, the game it was still a one-possession game. Right. Excuse me, when he had that long touchdown. Um, so by no means was it garbage time. But at right. the same time, like, Mahomes was putting up a solid, complete game. And Williams just had the one one big run at the end. So I, I get it. You, you kind of go to side with the quarterback in that situation. True. So overall, you liked the game then? Oh, I loved it. I did. Uh, I, thought, I thought the halftime show was fine. I mean, I can't believe the outrage... Top two favorite commercials? Ooh, off the top of my head. Um, I mean, the Bill Murray one was really good, except the that only issue was absolutely that, the best one. Well, it was great, but the only problem was that people leaked it. It was all over the internet. It, I knew nothing about it. I didn't even know. Oh, I, I watched, I it, I watched oh, really? it at like 10 a.m. that morning. Oh, I didn't Because people were like, oh, it. new Bill Murray commercial for Groundhog's Day. And my first thought was, weird, why wouldn't they show this during the Super Bowl? And it turns out they were, but people like... Just they, leaked it. Not even leaked. I mean, like, I think the company themselves, like, every, like it, it went viral. 
Really? So the commercial was out there, and that's why I was kind of like, huh. what the fuck? No, that's the first time I saw it when I saw it. Oh, yeah, no, I saw, it, I saw it I was like, this day. is the best fucking commercial I've seen all night. So that one was good. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I have a really shitty memory. Um, I thought the commercial to start the show, to start the Super Bowl was cool. The kid the running NFL through. The one, that yeah. one was really cool. The, I liked the that. The kid running through the entire whatever, and then all the different players you saw along the way. Yeah, like, that was a cool commercial, and the only thing I look for in a, in a term like that, or in, in the Super Bowl commercials, is I want one that I can watch anytime and it's still going to be good to me that commercial was really good but i feel i feel like the kid running out onto the field is what really made the commercial great so if i saw that commercial again and obviously it's not going to end with the kid running on on a field live it's going to kind of take away a little bit of the luster but it was a good commercial the two other commercials that stuck out to me was the the storytelling one from the start to the end of what's his face from uh charlie yeah charlie that was going to be i was going to say that that whole series was my favorite where it started from start to end where he's old and she like wiped the ice cream on his shoulder and i thought that was hilarious yeah and then one thing i noticed this year i don't know if you noticed it they they combined a lot of commercials with a lot of different products in one yeah like they had the one commercial with bounty it had uh mr clean it had tide it had all yeah, this other mr peanut mr Pe- had everything or in baby one nut they whatever, call whatever it had, the fuck that's, it's called. that sounds so weird <laughs> um but it uh we don't condone nutting on babies <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it was i feel like every commercial like we're just going to save money let's just combine all our products in one well i think what it is is because my, this is just a guess um but my guess is because there's such demand to get a Super Bowl commercial that a right. lot of these companies are just like, fuck it, let's just merge. Mm-hmm. Like, we could each spend $5 million for a 30-second commercial, however much it is nowadays. Maybe it's six, whatever. Um, but maybe they were like, instead of doing that, how about we go three and three, we combine, and this way we can get two commercials instead of just one. And they were, you know, I mean, it's just smart marketing, getting right. money's worth kind of a thing because you can get two 30-second commercials for $6 million if you combine it. Right. Assuming they're splitting and that's how it works. Um, yeah, yeah that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I thought it was cool to see them do that. Because I thought so, yeah. I'm not the kind of guy that's, like, influenced by a commercial. Sure. So, like, if, if there's a commercial here for Pepsi and then the, 10 minutes later a commercial for Coke, I'm not like, oh, well, Coke had the better commercial. I got to go buy one. So, like, if people combine commercials, I mean, I don't uh, – Coke and Pepsi are never going to do a commercial together. They, they're big rivals. But I just mean in general terms of like if if companies just combine like who gives a shit it's it's marketing regardless right I didn't see that many like beer commercials like I saw maybe two or three like I saw the Budweiser I saw the Bud Light one throughout this but like I didn't see as many as I did last year I thought yeah um I mean that could just be did we miss a core I didn't see a Coors Light one I don't remember I'm sure there probably was yeah. one thrown in there that I just didn't really pay much attention to because like once I don't know once once a commercial starts if I know who it's for. It kind of draws me away at first, like like Coors Light. Like I don't need a commercial for. I love Coors. Right, That's my right. favorite beer. So it's not like I'm gonna watch it and be like, oh, what's new? Like it's, it's still Coors Light. <laughs> new you know flavor I mean? this year. You know, that's why. Like I didn't think Google really needed a commercial. Like who out there is like, okay, oh shit? That Google commercial was fucking depressing. Yeah. Yes, it does. Like, weird. well, I mean, it it is. I mean, you're sitting there thinking about the fact that we're not getting younger. We're gonna get to right. the point where like, oh, I gotta remember my life and my wife and my loved ones and all sorts of. I'm like, oh, that's just sad. And it's it's. First of all, it was the longest commercial of the night, too. Oh, yeah, big time. But it was like still, it was just, it was just depressing. Like, it was just depressing. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, n- know your audience. Like, a lot of <laughs> drunk guys drinking, partying, watching the Super Bowl are like, like what is this oh, shit? Jesus, thank you. I'm going to – let's turn the game off, C- Carl. Let's let's turn on Lifetime right now. Like, people weren't doing that. So, you know, know your audience, Google, with that sad shit during the Super Bowl. What the fuck? <laughs> it's bad enough I had to listen to a bunch of people cry about Shakira and JLo's dancing and the provocativeness. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was fine. I mean, 
Shakira can still shake her ass. That's I yeah. Mean, I mean, the the funny thing is, I don't. Me personally. J-Lo tried way too hard to shake her ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> when you put those two next to each other, there's no way you're keeping up with Shakira. I don't. J-Lo's ass is like a pendulum, though. I don't think she was trying to shake it. I think she just turned too fast, and it's just gravity. She, like, did you see the, you see the Twitter video back. of uh, A-Rod in the, in, the, in the audience, like, running yeah, around with a cell phone? Yeah, like a fucking idiot, but hey. <laughs> hey, proud of his woman. <laughs> hey, he's trying to lock that down. He's trying to keep it. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't think there was any... I personally don't think anybody was actually outraged by the Super Bowl. I think people just like to do shit like that for the – they want reactions. And I've come to realize that about a lot of people that I'm just friends with on Facebook. That they'll post shit. They'll post memes and, and you know share things. And I look at them and I'm just thinking in my head like they literally just want to start an argument with people. They just want fighting. They just want that drama in their lives. And I'm not that kind of guy. And you know, going back and I didn't rewatch it, but I watched it live, the Super Bowl halftime show – it was completely fine. Yeah. That's exactly what you would expect. There's nothing. There is far worse on television, on the internet, that a child can just find if you're going to act like it's some family-friendly world you live in. You know, your kid could pick up the, take your cell phone from you for 10 minutes and find something way raunchier than they're going to see at that halftime Yeah, show. it takes two seconds to get to a porn site. You go to a beach or a, an amusement park, like, you know, swim park, whatever, um... You're going to see women in less than that. Like, it's just people are acting outraged just for a reaction. Yeah, I thought it was, I mean, it was, we all knew it was going to be very Hispanic themed. Yes. So the Puerto Rico flag, you know, the yeah. Puerto Rican flag, hello, it's part of America. Get yeah. the fuck over it. Yeah. And it was in Miami, which is a huge Latin based, yeah. like, like Florida in general. And I would assume that's why they had it. the first dibs at doing the halftime show because of their hispanic heritage exactly i thought the show was great they played she played songs that everybody knew uh j-lo played songs everybody knew yeah the pole dancing was interesting not gonna lie i was i was actually waiting for her to fall off the, the, the pole um yeah, i feel like she was velcro down there somewhere <laughs> right <else. laughs> something we um, don't know there's secrets behind the scenes but no i mean it, it is what it was you know i i thought it was okay i mean i guess i can't wait till next year we do the church ceremony at halftime yeah apparently everybody just wants the, a nun to come out and yeah, take a knee pray, and pray for pray for 30 minutes, minutes yeah. and then it's a tim tebow show he's gonna come out and take a knee all tebow's actually gonna sing i don't know what yet but he's gonna <laughs> sing for that the halftime show uh but no overall those behind him i thought overall the entire game halftime show commercial I thought it. It was, one I thought of the best super bowls i've seen yeah sure i Truthfully. agree i agree so with that being said that is a wrap on the 2019 nfl season we are officially into as i posted on facebook the other day my favorite time of year draft preparation um i work myself into a tizzy just about in everything browns related that i can think of i get myself really worked up about it because it's one of those <laughs> I, I I just know I could do a better job than everybody Jimmy Haslam's ever hired. I know I could do a better job than anybody uh, Randy Lerner hired. Like I, there's a long list. I know I could I could have built a winner for the Cleveland Browns by now. I could have had at least a couple of playoff appearances, I think, if they would have let me be in charge. And I am at the ripe age of 30, so I am just about ready to be a GM apparently because that's all it takes is just being young and apparently black because Andrew Barry made sure to just talk about how you know, other African-American GMs are a big thank to him and or he, or a big big help to him, and he thanked them all today at his press conference, which I won't dive too much into the Andrew Berry press conference. It was everything you would expect. It's a guy telling you what you want to hear. It's a guy telling you how things are different now and things are going to be great and everything's great. Everyone's in sync and aligned and blah, 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 bullshit. I believe it when I see it. That's my motto for the 2020 season. I'm not going to stay on it too long because I know I can get you dug into a hole, but... What did you expect him to say? 
You know, it, nothing. I mean, I knew what it was going to be. It's just more so I still can't wrap my head around how a guy that was part of such a disastrous time gets rehired. And the funniest quote of the day, and I tweeted this so I can look it up really quick. After Andrew Barry's press conference, Jimmy Haslam talked to the media for a minute. And he literally said, and I quote, It's a totally different situation. Now versus then when Andrew Barry was here the first time. We didn't have a QB then. We have one now. We didn't have a good young core then. We do now. My favorite part about that, John Dorsey's the reason all that's here. And don't get me wrong, I shit on Dorsey a lot. However, you're giving Andrew Barry the keys to this ship and telling him everything's great now that they have a new quarterback. They have a core of young players. But you just fired the guy that acquired all of those people you're praising. The young quarterback and the young players and all this and that. The other guy that got them here wasn't good enough for you. But this guy who was here for the shittiest time in Brown's history, you think, no, no, no he'll be fine with them now. Well, yeah, there's, there's one simple reason why. Alignment. Paul DePodesta. <laughs> that's, that, that's, that's the thing that I can't get over with this Browns regime and why I just don't think it's going to work. Because you still have three out of the four powerheads of fucking idiots. I think Jimmy Haslam's a complete fucking idiot and I hate him. And I texted my buddy today. Who's a Seahawks fan. If you're familiar, uh, Paul Allen was their owner till he passed away a couple years ago. And I literally texted him today and I said, how did you get so lucky that your owner died? Cause I want that to happen in Cleveland. I fucking hate Jimmy Haslam. Yeah. It's not going to change. He'll never sell the team because it's a, it's a, it's an ATM. The, the Browns print money for him. He's never going to fucking sell. No, absolutely not. Like Randy Lerner sold the team because he didn't give a shit about him. It wasn't his baby. It was his dad's. So that's why he just said, fuck it. The contract says I have to have the team for 10 years or whatever. After my dad dies, he did. And like the fucking hour after it hit 10 years, he was like, sold. We're out of here. Yeah. I mean, the Browns have the most loyal fan base, one of the most loyal fan base. So you know they're always going to pay to show up. They're going to be there. They're going to give you the money. They're going to buy the concession food. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It is. It, it's, it's, it, it prints money. And yeah. in the NFL with like profit sharing and things like, or, or uh, like merchandise sharing and all that shit, like you're going to be, Jimmy Haslam will always be coming out on top. He's never going to sell this team unless he gets in trouble. And he was close. We were real close to getting saved by karma. With that uh, pilot flying J bullshit that FBI, didn't, didn't, mean we were... didn't come to fruition. Whoever, whoever I want, I'll, I'd give credit to anybody. Um, I have a really cool idea, though, just to jump, not jump ahead, but back to you, were, you get really excited about scouting. I think that, and it's probably going to bore some of our listeners, but I think one episode we should sit down and just do a whole scouting episode. Yeah, for sure. Of everything. You know, not just the Browns, but just across the board, mock drafts, No, everything. I plan on actually, that was an idea that I have that we're going to work on. What I wanted to do was to not overdo it was kind of do each division um per episode kind of leading up to the draft so you got you know the afc east the Mm -hmm. afc north afc west each episode we just do four teams per episode quick thing of like what they need in the offseason and what we think they might take okay and then as we get closer to the draft we can come up with our own mock drafts we'll do a first round 32 pick kind of thing and just go from there i like it um so that's definitely a huge thing that i'm into i love the nfl draft um obviously i go every year I follow, you know, the, the the shit behind the scenes. I follow the combine. I follow pro days, all that all that shit leading up to the draft. I love it, um, which is why it irritates me every year because I have guys on my list that I really, really like and I really want the Browns to take. Then they do the polar opposite, and so far they basically have always had shitty drafts. And the one that I'll never get over, the Johnny Manziel draft, I was banging the table. I said take Khalil Mack or Mike Evans. And then with your second first round pick, take Teddy Bridgewater. 
that would have built such a fucking good team for this Cleveland Browns organization. And that was, you know, five years ago, six years ago, whatever we took Manziel. Um, but I was, I was pounding the table for those guys. I loved Cleo Mack. I loved Mike Evans. I loved Teddy Bridgewater. The Browns. Those took, are all horrible players. What are you yeah, talking yeah, they're about? that. Yeah, what do I know? I mean, thank the God they fuck? took Justin Gilbert and Johnny Manziel, who have both been out of the league for five, four years. They're on at their this point. fast tracks. The they're uh, you know um, going to the what am I Hall of Fame? Jeez, I can't talk today. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It's just it's awful. I hate the Browns so much. It's a love hate, just because I want them to be good so bad. I, I know that I know more than these fucking people, and that's what drives me insane about it. Well, I think you should just apply every year to send your resume up. I'm honestly thinking about it. What's, what could it hurt? Just email Jimmy and just after every draft, tell him who I wanted, and then when the, the players they take suck, I can go back to that email. I'll, I'll resend it. I'll forward yeah. it back to him, and I'll go, remember me, motherfucker? <laughs> like, so he, so here's what you did wrong, and here's where I was yeah. right. Now here's what I want for this year. If you do that every year, then you're bound to determine I mean, the job offer. hell, the rumor is he, he listened to a homeless guy. That's why he took Johnny Menzel. So I think an email should put me right to the top of the list yeah, pr- for people pretty to close. listen to. He listened to a guy that lays in his own fecal matter. At least I clean myself daily. You at least get an interview. Yeah, I would think so. A cup of coffee. Just like give me a. Sit Just down. have a PowerPoint presentation ready to go. No, that's when I want to leave. Oh, that's that'll right. That'll be in the future. You know, I would love to get my eyes on what the, the funny thing is. Is they said. would hire me to be the GM, but I'd still have to listen to Paul DePodesta anyway, because that guy's gonna be. He'll die with Jimmy Haslam. Pretty much. I, I don't know. Bur- how, that guy's not going anywhere together. for whatever reason. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So it's rinse and repeat with the Browns again. Uh, the press conference today, as you asked, what was I expecting? And again, it was nothing. It's just more so. I find it just laughable that we're continuing to be a joke and nothing changed. And today's press conference was nothing different. It was a guy that came here and failed miserably last time he was here. Just basically rubbing it in everyone's face, like how happy he is to be back, to get to do it all over again. He's happy and, for that paycheck. Oh my God, did he learn so much in that year away from the Browns where he was in Philadelphia, where they had probably one of their worst draft classes in the last few years because <laughs> I looked it all up. I paid attention to everything. Um, well, here's the good news that we can we can table the Browns talk for a couple episodes, um, and not worry about it, and then build up all our hype again and excitement with some draft time. They draft a decent team, and then we're gonna get blown out of the water again next year. Yeah, well, that's that's where you're wrong, Kyle. They won't draft a decent <laughs> team because they aren't known for that. Um, but yeah, so we will be getting soon. I mean, the combines this month. Um, so all all this draft prep stuff is gonna be happening very shortly. You have. The Combine in February, you have free agency in March, the draft is in April, the NFL likes to have one big event every month, they are the king for a reason, and so, you know, the NFL, the the regular season may have just ended, but the NFL season never truly ends. We'll have to do a cigar shop, watch the Combine, right? Uh, don't think that's on my schedule this year. Um, <laughs> actually, the Combine, they, they've changed the hours, they're actually doing primetime now, they used to, or not primetime, but like later in the day. Oh, really? If I'm not mistaken, I thought I like heard that somewhere. Because the NFL wants to get more viewership. Because if they're doing it at 8 a.m. on a, a Monday morning, no one's watching it. Right. So they kind of want to wait and do it later, which makes sense. Because if I'm home from work and I can I can watch it. I used to try to watch it on my phone while I was at work, but it's just hard to pay attention. Um, but if they do that, that'd be great. I'll come home and watch it every fucking day. Sure. It I helps agree. with your scouting process. One thing I want to say to fans, and I can't stress this enough, and I don't ever want to have to get in an, in a, in a, in a, an argument with people about this. A few things we're not gonna we're not gonna focus on when you're scouting a player. A, their bowl game that they played, their their final game of their collegiate career, most of which were for nothing. Most of those games meant jack shit. Don't read into that. Good or bad. I don't want to hear about a player you liked because he had a good bowl game. Or I don't want to hear about a player you don't like because he had a bad bowl game. Look at the body of work. 
And if you're, we're not doing it now, but I have a lot of, a lot of practice in scouting quarterbacks because we've needed one for so long. Another thing I'll tell people, in case you're not a Browns fan, if you're a fan of any team that does need a quarterback, look at their footwork, look at their release, look at things like that. Don't really focus on the stats. Obviously, you want high completion percentage. That's always nice. You want good touchdown to interception ratio. But the numbers in college are so skewed compared to the pros because they're playing against guys that 90% of them aren't going to make it to the next level. No. So it's a totally different ball game. The windows are a lot tighter in the NFL. Um, Decision-making needs to be quick. So don't look into things like that. You should be looking at mechanics to see if they are coachable. That's what you really should look for in a quarterback. Obviously, there's no-brainer quarterback picks like you have uh, Andrew Luck was a no-brainer number one overall pick. You've had Baker Mayfield. No, even that year there was a debate on who was going to be the number one pick. But like you know, years prior, like quick off the top of my head, like Peyton Manning, like guys like that that come around once in a generation. Right. Uh, those are the kind of guys where you just you know that they're going to be a good quarterback for the most part. But so analytics is what we're using to. No, no, no. we're using brains and football. <laughs> <laughs> Look at a guy's footwork is not analytics. Uh, awards that they won during the season. Yeah, that's the, that was the Sashi Brown. If you won the Brian Bolitnikoff Award, there's a good chance you're getting taken in the first round, <laughs> a.k.a. Corey Coleman. Um, I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm really so Yeah, am. we'll do a lot of scouting and, and talking about that on the show, and I'm excited because, I mean, don't get me wrong, for every, every name that I nailed that I wanted the Browns to take or, you know, whoever that I thought would be a good player, don't get me wrong, I've had a thousand misses too, so it's not a big deal. Typical like, scout. I mean, Yeah, that's what happens. You have some hits, you have some misses, unless you work for the Browns, and then you yeah. only miss. So It's true. Uh, but yeah, so that's coming up. I'm excited, the draft and, and all that shit. So <clears throat> the Super Bowl's over, football's over. We're probably going to not have much to talk about in that regards for the next couple of weeks, which is probably a good thing to let everybody clear their heads and move on. Spring training, however, is starting up very shortly, and the NBA season is just getting into the middle of things, so couple of big trades both leagues we could start with the nba because the nba trade deadline is tomorrow at three o'clock this episode is being recorded on january or, uh february 5th is today the 5th it is the 5th yeah so it's uh february 5th wednesday the nba trade deadline is tomorrow at i think three o'clock and we had one blockbuster trade the rockets have acquired um hang on i lost the page i think the trades on two pages because of how many people yeah there's got a moved. lot of players involved so robert covington is going to the rockets the rockets are getting jordan bell from the timberwolves also and they're getting the atlanta hawks 2024 second round pick the hawks are getting clint capella nene uh the nuggets are getting uh Keita bates diop from ohio state ex buckeye from the wolves they're getting shabazz napier noah vanla and the Rockets are getting Gerald Green, who's currently injured. Or, I'm sorry, the Rockets, Gerald Green. And Houston's first-round pick in 2020 are going to the Nuggets. The Timberwolves are getting the Nuggets, Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Jared Vanderbilt, as well as the Hawks' Evan Turner and the Hawks' 2020 first-round pick via the Brooklyn Nets. Boy, is that a lot. That's a full paragraph for one fucking trade. But the main thing the Rockets were trying to get rid of Clint Capella because he had a big contract and wasn't really playing up to it and I think Robert Covington is going to bring them decent shooting and really good defense that they're going to need especially battling in the West they need a good uh, wing player and I think Robert Covington is perfect for the Rockets well the Rockets play a lot of small ball so this is yeah. fits perfectly into what they yeah, want to great. do he is um, he's essentially a younger Trevor Ariza type where right. he's going to hit some shots but your main thing is defense so that's I, huge I think the Rockets won this trade 
I, I think mean, so too. They absolutely, they definitely got what they needed. Yep. Um, it kind of fits right into D'Antoni's way of coaching and who he wants to fit in that slot. It's, it's going to be, I think the Rockets are poised to make a run. I mean, keep running, but I mean, yeah, I mean my issue with them and I've always said it from the beginning. I always think that, uh, I think Russell Westbrook is essentially a, a team killer. And I think wherever he goes, he is going to pull a team down with him. No, I agree. I am not a big Westbrook fan. I'm, I'm those two together in a team. It's, on paper or on, on NBA 2K, I should say. On a oh, yeah, game. It's, a, it's a lethal Amazing. team. But in real life, that's just not a good match. I mean, no. I said it before, when they got rid of, uh, when they let James Harden go the fir- in, in Oklahoma City, I thought they fucked up. They should have got rid of Russell Westbrook because if they would have kept um, Harden and Durant, I think Oklahoma City would, if they all stayed, assumingly, they would still be contending for championships. I think that team could have been loaded together. Yeah. Um. So I think they got rid of the wrong guy. Don't get me wrong, Westbrook, triple double machine, but he was a stat patter. He's a I mean, me. Let's, let's he's he's a he's a me guy. It's like, yeah. what do I need to get a rebound? I need to get this yeah, rebound. He I'm made gonna... sure to get triple doubles, but they barely made the playoffs if they even made it that year. I don't even right. know if they did. Like they, they weren't a good football or basketball team. And plus, I don't think anybody nobody's getting through that that train called the Lakers in the West. I think this year, not right now, and especially after Kobe Bryant's death, uh, I think that only motivated the team. The only issue, though, is that there are rumors right now going along that they the Lakers are also trying to make some moves. Kyle Kuzma's name has been linked to being getting shipped out. Um, depending on what they bring in is the big question because they could it could take a little time to gel and it could be a tough tough thing to do because that's just how it is in the NBA. Right. You acquire these guys at the middle of the season or even a little past the middle of the season, and you're hoping everything clicks quickly. And professional sports, I say this a lot to people because a lot of people just. And I don't mean this in a negative way. I don't mean to say it as like, I know more than you kind of thing, but a lot of people view sports like a video game, like Madden, like, oh, you could just trade for this guy. But it's like, no, maybe this guy only works in this type of scheme. Right. Like, there are players that you can't take on the Browns because we run a certain type of defense or offense that they wouldn't work. And that's that's another thing you kind of have to worry about. It's like a defensive end. Some guys will say like, oh, the Browns should get this guy's great. And then you go, well, he's a 3-4 defensive end. We run a 4-3. Like there's a, that's a huge difference in the NFL. Same with basketball, same with any sport really. But there are guys that maybe they don't fit into what an offense is, is built around or a defense for that matter, even in NBA. So it takes time to mesh. There's rumors. I, I, I seen R- Derek Rose's name thrown out there a lot for a possible trade for the Lakers. Yeah. Um, he, uh, I mean, he's been playing like his former MVP self lately. I mean, he's been rejuvenated and I think he's finally healthy and good for him. What a career turnaround. I mean, the poor guy was one of the best players I'd ever seen. Yeah. And just couldn't stay healthy. Those knees. And I thought, I thought, I thought, I he, thought was he was done, done for five years ago for you. Yeah. When he came to Cleveland for that brief stint, that was what I thought. I was kind of like, man, that's kind of sad that he ended up like not ring chasing per se, but almost, I guess you could look at it that way. And then here he is in, in Detroit. Detroit's terrible. He's up there playing and just playing like a star. Good for him. Right. I think uh I think he could you could slot him into the Lakers lineup and he'd be well right off the bat. But again but then again you have LeBron LeBron in your team who yeah. makes everybody blend on that team. And that's you know? the thing though with Derrick Rose is he's not a traditional point guard, he's a scoring point guard. So when you have Rajon Rondo out there for the Lakers, that's where it kinda like is he a good fit for them? Because sure. Rondo just needs to get the ball to Anthony Davis and LeBron James and shoot the ball a handful of times a game. Perfect for the Lakers. Yeah. Derrick Rose needs to shoot about twice as much as, as as Rondo and passes the ball half as much as Rondo. So that's the other issue. Are they going to mesh? Because LeBron obviously is the, the center point of that team, the center point of the offense, and very close behind him, Anthony Davis. 
So you have to make sure those two are getting fed before you can worry about yourself. And is Derrick Rose going to be able to be the third party? Right. I and, think I, I think I saw Andre uh, Iguodala's name thrown out there too. Yeah, I mean, his I didn't right read, now, read, I, don't, I didn't. I saw there's some drama attached to that too. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything like concrete with that. The only things I've seen basically are teams are kind of calling out the Grizzlies and they're kind of saying that guy deserves better. Like, don't let him just rot in Memphis. Let him go to another contender and, and win another championship. Um, but I look at it as it's a business. And he helped the Golden State Warriors win rings over the Cavs. So fuck him. I hope he sits in, in Memphis and rots. I hope they actually trade him to the Cavs. I think that would be funny. <laughs> so he can come here and I can fucking boo him. So oh, that would yeah. be great. Speaking of the Cavs, what, are they going to be any uh, contenders here come come tomorrow? Or do you think the team as it is now will, will be here after tomorrow? Uh, I think they will make some trades. I think a, lo- a couple of them could be some minor things. Maybe, I mean... I don't really know. We don't really have any... I don't think we have the kind of talent that anybody's going to want. Nobody wants Colin Sexton in year two because he's too much of a work in progress. Sure. No contender wants to deal with that right now. They could. They would take him in the offseason maybe to try to work with him, but right now they wouldn't touch him. Uh, same Same goes for Darius Garland. Um, I think Kevin Porter Jr. is the only untouchable on the Cavaliers right now. I love Kevin Porter Jr. I do too, and that's why I think the Cavs aren't have no intentions of ever trading him. I like Garland too, being. and I'm not going to lie. I love those. Garland's just such, he, he's like Sexton to me. Like they're just such works in progress right now that it's, I don't hate them. It's just, I kind of watch them knowing like this is going to take some time. Yeah. So it's, it's difficult when you, when you go from being in the finals for four straight years because of LeBron James, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I understand how we got there, but you went to the finals four straight years. And then now you're the worst team in the league two years later, one year later, even, I mean, we were terrible last year. Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. It really is. So I am, a little frustrated with this team. And I'm also frustrated because the same reason J.R. Smith wanted out, the same reason Kevin Love is currently frustrated is because they went into the off season <clears throat> last year thinking, okay, we are at least going to be an eight seed contending team. Like Kevin Love's gone on record saying that. And I think he sincerely meant it when he said it. He thought this is not like when I was in Minnesota. I don't know if you heard uh, yeah, Jason that. Lloyd Talks about the interview, this. yeah, yeah. And he said the first thing he told Kevin Love was, you know this is Minnesota all over again. And he said, no, it's not. He's like, the Cavs have told me that they're committed to keeping this thing going in the right direction. He goes, don't get me wrong, I know we're not championship contenders, but I think we can contend for the playoffs, this and that. And a week into the season last year, they fired okay, Ty yeah. Lue, they, they started trading everybody, they were done. They gutted the team, essentially. And that's why J.R. Smith quit. And at the time, I was kind of mad at him because I'm a Cavs fan. So I'm thinking, fuck you. You quit on my team. Go fuck yourself. And then I realized these guys are competitive. I would be the same way. I would be pissed off if I'm a pro athlete, albeit they're getting paid. That's what a lot of people overlook is that there's still feelings involved. A sure. paycheck only goes so far. J.R. Right. Smith was willing to say, fuck you. Keep your money. I quit because you guys aren't doing what you told me. You said we were going to compete and you guys have no intentions of competing. I'm not here to tank. You know, J.R. Smith's in his 30s. You only play for so long, and he's wasting away like the Iguodala situation. Do you want a guy to just sit there and waste away while you rebuild, or do you want to help them? And the Cavs didn't seem to really want to help J.R. Smith. I think they did try to trade him, but nobody really wanted him, but that's unfortunate. And the same can be said for Kevin Love right now. The only unfortunate thing is Kevin Love's contract. Yeah, nobody wants that contract. It's, it's damn near impossible to move. Um, and I, the other, I, 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 I don't care. Get rid of Kevin Love at this point. I mean, I absolutely love Kevin Love, and I feel the same way. I think he he went into this thinking, I'm going to be the face of this team, and we are going to be putting together a team to contend. And the Cavs had other options. 
the Cav- or other intentions. The Cavs said, fuck it, total gutting rebuild. Yeah. And poor Kevin Love, again, he's getting up there in age. He's not getting any healthier and younger. And now he just gets to sit here and rot. And a lot of people are like, just shut up and count your checks, you know, this and that. But he wants to win. He wants to play for a championship. He wants to play postseason basketball. Right. I, and I just, his effort is so up and down lately. Yeah. Like, I get it. Like, he's been playing really well lately, but it's because he's trying to play well to play himself into a possible trade. Yeah. Um, but his his defensive effort is horrible. And let's be honest. It was never anything to begin with. Come on. He shut down Steph Curry and, and, the, and that crucial. Hey, we only uh, needed him for one play and he <laughs> delivered. Other than that, he's a liability. But yeah, it's just, he just, he doesn't try. Like, And that's the one thing we'll never know the true story behind it, but there are so many behind the scenes things of the players hate John Bayline. The players, you know, are, are pissed at the front office, this and that. They're all mad at everybody. And I'd like to know the truth because there's some things I've seen that said that it's the, the veteran players are pissed off with the losing and the lack of, you know, effort by the front office to win. So they're kind of taking it easy and, and, and slacking, and that's kind of a bad look for the younger players. And on the other side, is it the younger players that are having trouble buying in, and that's what's ma- making the veterans so frustrated? We'll never know the truth. So for me, it's hard to watch and think, is Kevin Love pissed off because the, the these young guys are fucking up and not running the right plays? Or is he purposely out there just because he's pissed off? My, so no, I agree. My ideal situation would be to trade Kevin Love, do not trade Tristan Thompson, keep him. Because mm-hmm. I like Tristan Thompson. See, I would say... Me personally, trade Tristan Thompson. You're gonna get you're gonna get way more for Thompson than you're gonna for Kevin Love because you have to you have to salary match in the NBA. So Kevin Love, you need to get a player that's gonna be making thirty million dollars a year or a, a, an accumulation of players that are making around thirty million to even that out. I think Tristan's making like eighteen, and he only has one year left on his contract. He's gonna be a free agent coming up. So that's the kind of deal you can actually swing, and you can get draft picks involved, and you can get some decent talent for the yeah, future. Yeah, but you're not gonna get much for it. I mean, you might get like a second round. No, Thompson, you could get a first-round pick You think for, so? I think. Yeah. Oh, depends I mean, what team. He's a double-double machine. I mean, you're trading, trading him to a contender, so the first-round pick is going to be, you know, at the back of the draft. It's not a lottery pick. Right, right. But, I mean, the more picks you have, the better. I mean, we, we used two second-round picks to get Kevin Porter Jr. So, Kobe Altman knows a thing or two and when it comes to, like, getting value for picks, but you just have to make them hit. Sure. And it's a pretty weak draft coming up, but... I just think I don't want to see Tristan Thompson sign another long-term deal for Cleveland, and I don't want to see him leave for nothing in the offseason. So I think if you can get anything for him, get rid of him. Uh, All this talk, though, I think that they're not going to do any of that tomorrow. And I mean, the rumor, the latest I've read, I'm trying to keep up on everything, is that obviously the, the Cavs are listening to phone calls for everybody. They're just trying to get a feel for what people want. And Tristan Thompson, 100% available to any team willing. And... The latest rumor I saw, even on here on NBA.com, said the Cavs are seeking draft picks for Kev- mm-hmm. or for Tristan Thompson. So we'll see what happens um, within the next 24 hours. If anything breaking happens, that's the funny thing about the NBA trade deadline is that typically every year everyone gets really worked up about it. Nothing ever really happens. There's never really too many significant trades. Uh, the ones the Cavs had made a few years back were significant to us because we're Cavs fans. But to the rest of the world, they were probably like, great, the Cavs got... George Hill and Jordan Clarkson. Who gives a shit? Like, that's not even that big of a trade. Um, However, in baseball, now that's a big fucking trade yesterday for those of you that didn't see it. The Los Angeles Dodgers said, we are all in, and they acquired Mookie Betts, David Price, and Louis Rengifo. I don't even know how to say this guy's fucking name. I don't even know who the fuck that is. Um, Lewis, Lada, no one gives a shit. Yeah, whatever. He's a second baseman from the Angels. He's going to the, he's going down the street to the Dodgers. <laughs> Quick commute. Um, 
What a so, fucking trade for the Dodgers, man. I mean, overall, um, nothing too wild in the trade except for Jock Peterson obviously has now moved. He goes to the Angels. I think the Angels now have a pretty decent team. And that's nice because Mike Trout's been rotting away in, in Los Angeles. They're always going to have a decent team, but they're never going to do anything. Right. I mean, it's like you can put another player around him, and I feel so bad for Mike Trout. I do, but I don't because, I mean, he decided to stay. He, yeah, he took I mean, the money to stay. He could have easily said, "I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to take a little bit less because I want to play for a contender," and that's kind of what Frankie Lindor said at Tribe Fest last week. He was interviewed about his current situation with man, the Indians. Talk about talk about stirring the pot. I love. I mean, it. I'm okay with him being honest about it. He said he would love to stay in Cleveland, but if the Indians aren't willing to like treat him like the player he is, yeah, then I mean, he's got to go. But he did. He did say he's not interested in you know, the most money he's, he wants to play for contender. So a lot of people are saying, we'll see about that when he becomes an actual free agent. Is he going to sign with a team that just offers him the most money? But the only problem with that is the team that offers him the most money is more than likely going to be a team that actually is kind of a contender. Like I could be, it could be the Yankees. It could be the Red Sox. It could be the Dodgers, you know, just throwing big names out there. Like it could be a big city team. That's going to offer him the farm. Right. And right away, adding Frankie Lindor makes you a contender in my opinion. See, I, I just feel like he's playing the politics of, you know, saying all the right things, saying yeah. what you need to say to get the conversation started or whatever they're doing between behind the scenes. But it doesn't matter. I mean, the Dolans are never going to pay. No. Him. I mean, he's as good as gone. I mean, you could. I mean, I, I think who was listening? Who was I listening to on the radio who said that you could sign him for that 10 year, three hundred and twenty million dollar contract. And it's not going to really affect the, the, the Indians um payroll all that all that much i think they're at right. 80, 89 million right now or something like that i think yeah. it would put them at like 100 and something million which is still lower than it was right two and, or and three it, years ago it's funny a friend of show greg sherwood he actually sent me a thing not long ago that said with revenue sharing because major league baseball does that um each team gets like a certain amount and i think the indians made like what did he say 200 <clears throat> some maybe 220 million total and most teams they spend at least half of that revenue on the roster. The Indians, half of that is about, you know, $110 million, give or take. I and mean, like you just said, the Indians aren't even at $90 million. No. So they are far less than half of that. No. So that just goes to show you how cheap the Dolans are being with this team. And it's not even just Frankie Lindor. I mean, if they're going to tell us to enjoy him while we can, and, you know, Dolan in his little speech a couple weeks ago said he expects playoff bat- baseball here and blah, blah, blah. It's all well and good to say However, you're not investing back in the team. And then you're bitching at the fans for not investing in your in the team also, but you're not even investing in them. So that's why that's my beef with the Dolans. I completely understand that on the outside looking in our are the uh, attendance looks bad. However, the fact that the Dolans are so cheap and every year cut the cut the payroll, try to save a buck or two here and there, it just makes me go fuck you. I'm not spending any money for your team then. I don't feel bad anymore. No. Like I'm at the point now where I am boycotting the Indians for the most part. I don't plan on going to any games because then I'd have to spend money on beer. The home opener, I already said I'm going downtown, but I'm not going to the game. Yeah, I think game. we talked about that. Yeah. We're all going to go downtown. I'm but... interested in going to the game. Right. Like a guy standing outside could say, hey, I got tickets for 10 bucks," And I'd go, I'm good. <laughs> Honestly, that's where I'm at. Like I don't want to give them any money. And I'm kind of at that point even with the Cavs because the Cavs are going – and I get it. The NBA is a totally different entity than the NFL. So the NFL, you want quick results. I sound like a hypocrite because I've stuck with the Browns for this long, and they've (laughs) obviously been in a rebuild for the last 21 years. Um, But but with the Cavs, 
I guess I just didn't want to admit that we were going from from LeBron James in the finals to a Philadelphia trust the process rebuild where we're going to be the worst team in the league for multiple years because they're just trying to get top draft picks. So it's just it's tough for me to wrap my head around that. And I could even get behind a young team that's got some stars coming up. But like like I said, it's year two for Colin Sexton. It's Larry Nance just got a huge contract. Uh, Darius Garland was a top top five pick for us. We have all these young, talented players, or so they say, and it's just not coming to fruition yet. I feel like we should be improving by now. We've actually regressed. We went from being the third worst team in the league last year to the absolute worst right now. We lost to the worst team in the league. Yeah, like multiple ago. times. Like Golden State, we got blown yeah, out Golden by State, like 20 oh, yeah, points. Golden State was the second worst team, and they blew us out. The Knicks are one of the worst teams, and they've beaten us the last few times we played them. Right. I was at the game a couple weeks ago. We lost to the Chicago Bulls, who are one of the you know lesser teams in the <laughs> I've league. Yet, I haven't been to a Cavs game in like two years. It's sad to say, but I have no interest in going. I'm at the point where I only go for free tickets. And <laughs> I went to this one because they were free tickets, and I hadn't seen the renovated queue yet. How was it? Beautiful. It's actually what? really nice in there. Is it? Yeah. Wow, might have great. to go, might have to go to a concert then so I can see. Yeah, it. I would I would recommend just walking in and, and when the, you see the janitor mopping and just say like, can I just look really quick? Um, but yeah, so that's I think that's my biggest issue with this rebuild is just that we're we're in year two without LeBron. You have Tristan Thompson who won a championship. You have Kevin Love who won a championship here. You have these veteran players. You have Larry Drew or uh, Larry Nance. You have um, you know these rookies and second year guys. Chetty Osman, you expected to be a little bit better. And these guys just aren't putting it together, and that's what's driving me crazy with this team. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think. I mean, back you know we're talking about the Cavs now, but I just I feel like it's never, it's not never. I think it's probably a five six year window that you might we might even sniff playoffs again. I yeah, mean, it's going to be doing. a while. And I, I watched. Most I think of I, the I games. think I, I think I put eighteen wins in our record before we started. Win- I think yeah. when we first started talking. I said eighteen wins is where I'm putting us at. Yeah, and you're right on the money. Pretty I, I, much. I think we're. It might be the only thing I'm right about. Sometimes. Yeah, you might actually get that one right. <laughs> But yeah, so like you know, I, I watch the Cavs regularly. At least I used to. I'm I'm truly pretty much done with them for now. Like I'll admit, I caved. I watched the end of the Knicks game the other day, but that's because they were up by like ten in the fourth quarter. The Cavs were, and I was like, okay, cool. It, it may be only against the Knicks, but that's a win. That's a home win. Uh, fun fact: the Cavs have not won at home in 2020 yet. They are like 0 and 12 at home this year. So yes, far. keep it going. It's terrible. And they were beating the Knicks the other day at home, and that's why I turned it on. I was like, okay, good for them. I turned it on expecting to see final score, Cavs win by like, you know, 5-10, whatever. No, it was tipping off for overtime. The Cavs blew the lead, went to overtime, and then blew the game in that's overtime. The, that's the game that Kevin Love went off. Like, he had like seven threes in like one quarter, I think, wasn't it? Uh, against the Knicks, right? Ahead, I don't remember. It was it one against the Knicks? That's who it was against, yeah. yeah so we I think played the Knicks a couple times. He had seven couple threes, weeks, so. I think, in quarter one. Yeah. Like, he went off yeah, we that game. had a huge lead, like yeah. I said, because uh, I was watching a movie. But I was checking the score on my phone, and like I said, I, we were up by like 10 with like five minutes to go or something like that. So I'm like, okay, cool. Finish the movie. The movie's over. I'm like, I'll throw the Cavs game on. Let's just see the final score. Maybe it's the end of the game, whatever. Nope. Tipping off for overtime. They, they pissed it away. Yeah. I mean, you're not surprised. And that's right. my issue with the Cavs, though, is that they're just their lack of interest by the players and the lack of effort. They're blowing leads to teams like the Knicks. That just goes to show you that the players aren't buying in. The players are, are, are half-assing things. And without me even watching it, I can guarantee that that's exactly what happened. Right. So that's the irritating part about that. And that's my issue with the Indians, too, is you have this fan base. You had a window for a, a World Series with this this talented offense, this talented pitching staff. You had it set up, and their idea was to start dumping salary, to cut a little bit of money. You have these great players, and they're just more worried about saving a couple bucks here and there than actually trying to win anything. And that's what irritates me with the Dolans. I know we'll spend more time in Indians probably in next up- upcoming episodes that we do. Um, but yeah. the one thing I will say is I'm 
even though hate on the Indians, what they're doing, you got rid of our number one, number two in our rotation last year, mm -hmm. and you still have a very, very good rotation going into this year. A very it's deep, good. a very deep rotation too. You think about it, we're probably going to have two or three people in AAA that are amazing pitchers that we can play with, move up and move down. I mean, yeah. it could be interesting. I, no, mean, I mean, the Indians have always it been It could go real south way. real quick, but yeah, I'm saying is that it could be interesting. The Indians have always been built like that. They're, they always stay at least competitive, relatively. You might have to suffer through a year or two of shit, and then they come right back because they do have an incredible farm system. But because they don't add on top of that farm system and the young talent, that's why they'll never get over that hump. And, um, I mean, next year, because of the lack of of additions to the team, I truly believe we will struggle to finish in third place. I think the Twins are going to walk away with the division, and I believe the White Sox are an up-and-coming team, and I think the White, White Sox could surprise some people. Right. Uh, and I would not be shocked if the Indians finish in third place. Yeah, I saw your uh, hot take there on uh, Facebook the other day with yeah, your friend. because there's people that just don't agree with me, and they think it's just me being a shitty person. But then I found a tweet from John Heyman, if you're familiar with him. He's a big-time big, big -time, yeah. uh, Major League Baseball uh, reporter, insider guy. He even said the same thing. He said, with the Twins additions this offseason, he goes, I think they're the clear favorite to win the Central with the White Sox right behind them and, and the Indians. Yeah, it's going to be very competitive Central. Yeah. We need to – We our outfield is very sketchy at it's, best. It's AAA at best. And I can't believe that we have Puig out there, not yep. signed by anybody. I mean, I look at last year. We had Michael Brantley, who could have stayed with a very team-friendly contract. The Indians let him go. Nah, we don't need him. Don't need him. He didn't do well last year. No, he never – I mean, he went down there and cheated a little bit and <laughs> you know didn't win the World Series, which – that leads me into my next topic I wanted to talk about. I'm uh -oh. sure if any of you saw this, the Facebook argument I got into with my friend um, Anthony that I, I, I grew up with. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to dwell on it too much because it was a Facebook argument, but it was one of the dumbest arguments I've ever had. And I just want to put it on record now on this show that if you are going to go... I, first off, it was my own mistake. I should have never been baited into a Facebook argument about things. But if you are going to argue with me on Facebook, please bring your A game because I do. I back up everything I say with facts, and to to an annoying point, you do right because I like like I said before, I like to know so much about things before I argue them, so I know what I'm talking about. I don't, I'll never get into an argument about something that I'm not that I'm ill informed on because then I'll sound like an idiot. And it's not that I only argue for things I'll win; it's I can't have an argument or a discussion with people if I don't know the topic. So if it's something I'm very well versed on, and it started off with. Uh, a quick rundown on it. He was basically saying, I said that that trade for the Dodgers was huge. I said, they're going all in. They got David Price. They got Mookie Betts. And he said, oh, well, that's great. But David Price and Clayton Kershaw, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, suck in the, in the, in the playoffs. So it doesn't matter. Okay. I understand what you're saying. However, Dodgers could have won the 2017 world series. They played the Astros who were known to cheat then at this time. We didn't know that then, but now, you know, they were cheating. His response, well, Astros didn't win the World Series this year, so it must not matter that much. Okay, they weren't going 162-0. and I didn't say them cheating made them unbeatable. It just gives them a huge advantage. Right. And he said, no, it really doesn't give them that much of an advantage. I said, okay, so you mean to tell me that when you're a professional baseball player, knowing if it's going to be a fastball or a breaking pitch isn't an automatic advantage. All you have to do is figure out where it's going at this point. Now, you, but at least you know what's coming, kind of. Then he said, well, uh, Eraldis Chapman throws 100 miles an hour and strikes guys out all the time, but you know a fastball's coming. I said, okay. There's a difference between not being able to catch up with something and just be, or he, I'm sorry, he, he claimed it was intimidating 
to see a 100 mile an hour pitch coming at you. Yeah, but Chapman always also has a uh, off speed pitch too. Right, correct. But I'm just saying that that's another thing of that's just bat speed. Right. Connecting with a fast pitch, the players aren't up there shaking in their boots because he throws 102 miles an hour. They're up there just going, "Fuck! I hope I can get the bat around quick enough." Yeah, it's a 102 mile an hour fastball. I mean, even the best batters can't get their bat in the ball. Exactly. But he he acted as if baseball players are scared. So knowing that a fastball is coming yeah. from Chapman, they're they're too scared to hit it. That's why Chapman's so good was basically what his argument was. Right. Again, it was one of the dumbest arguments I've ever had. I feel dumber that I had it, and I hope he was joking in part of it because he also said that the cheating didn't. It was he compared the cheating to steroids, what the Astros did. I said apples to oranges, not even close. Steroids just helps the ball go a little bit further. You still have to know where it is. You still have to have good hand-eye coordination, all that good shit. And you don't know if it's a fastball or a breaking ball coming. You also have to guess on that part. So I, I thought they were not comparable. Right. Um, it's it's also the argument. I mean, that's the same argument, but like the whole Barry Bonds thing. Right. Granted, steroids, get it. But steroids did not help him have that eye. He was an amazing batter without Even the steroids. Even before the yeah. steroids thing. In, in, in Pittsburgh, he was an amazing batter. His batting percent was extremely high. And that's how dumb this conversation got yeah. for me was the argument turned into that. It turned into... First, he said, without the Astros uh, cheating now, they'll still be great. And I just showed him the 2017 split stats of uh, Jose Altuve, um, who all was on there, Brian McCann, and um, Carlos Correa. And it showed during only the 2017 postseason, it just showed their numbers. And I thought it was a very in- intriguing Oh, the stat. home away stats? Yeah, the home oh, and away crazy. stats. It showed at home, they all were batting like 350 or something like that. Away, like 150. That's a huge difference. That's all I was showing. I didn't, I didn't send it to him to make him think that that's just how they are, how they play baseball. So he sends me back Jose Altuve's career numbers. Jose Altuve is a an, an MVP. He's a great baseball player. His numbers are very good. I'm not saying he's a bad baseball player because he was because he sucked on the road in the 2017 playoffs. I was just showing you that it made a significant difference the cheating. Right, but he's a little bit better at home. Right. That's just proven. Yeah, he's a good baseball player. And you can take it away the from cheating, him. But I think he is. Jose Altuve will be just fine. I think the cheating was impacting, you know, the, the lesser players. Right. Like a Brian McCann, who's yeah. just a serviceable catcher. He's not blowing anybody away. But his numbers were also crazy different. Right. If you put me or you or whoever in that batting box and you tell me that, hey, this guy's going to be throwing a curveball, what are we going to do? Now we know to sit back and wait yeah. for it to break in and then you swing at Imagine it. being a professional who your job for right. a living is to hit But that's baseballs. what I'm saying. Yeah. If you give us the it's advantage. Such knowing such advantage. What's, right. It's like playing a video game and you see your buddy pick yeah. a, a run play. Fuck, he's doing a run play. Yeah. I'm going to load up the line. Exactly. And it's even, even just like not even comparing it to Madden, but just in sports. If if a, if, if the, the Patriots, let's say, found a way to figure out if a team was running or passing. So every time before they called hike or while they're setting up the defense, Bill Belichick hit a buzzer and it let everyone in the defense know run or pass. And it was all like right nine times out of 10. Surprise Bill Belichick hasn't figured he's, that out he yet. He might be doing it actually. That's why he's probably like, oh shit. He probably stopped. That's why they didn't go to the Super Bowl this he's year. He's like, oh he man, like, they're getting too close to this. But I, you know, that's how I, I looked at it. Like that's a huge advantage to know at least 50% of what's coming. You don't know the rest of it. And that goes to the pitch. Yeah. But the other if 50% I know a curveball's coming or a changeup's coming, that's great. Now my job is to figure out where it's going. Right. And that's the hard part for and batter. One, but that's still half the battle. But being a professional athlete, that is not as challenging as you would think. If you give him half the information, the skill and knowledge of the other half is right. going to make it so much easier for you. Yeah, because a professional athlete, especially you know, just a baseball player in general, if you're batting, you have two jobs. First one is you have to guess what pitch is going to be coming. And you hope to guess right. B, you have to kind of guess in what area that the pitch is going. And those are your two things as a batter. If you're already getting half of that for you, 
That's a huge advantage. So you concentrate on nothing but just putting the bat in the ball then? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, he was basically telling me that it didn't make that big of a deal. And it's it, it, it basically just said it, it's not that big of a deal in a roundabout way. Just I mean, sign stealing is never going to stop. Because that's completely it's not, illegal. It's not illegal. Yeah. But this was not just that. Yeah, you're using electronics to cheat and to buzz people to let them know exactly what pitch is coming. If you figure out people's signs, teams have that worked out where they change signs up. If there's nobody on second base, they're not protecting signs because they have nobody they don't think that can see their signs that's reporting them back to people. That's why this was so illegal by the Astros. Like That's the big difference that people aren't seeing. And that's why, again, it was the dumbest argument I've ever gotten in. It was really stupid. Yeah, I enjoyed waking up to the uh, million and ten. And that's my thing, too, is I hate getting in arguments with people where they take everything you say literal. It was like the argument I got earlier on in in the show, like episode three, whatever, about the fucking hitting opposite field and the free throw thing. It was one of the stupidest arguments I've ever had because people <laughs> oh, take everything you memories. say. People take everything you say so literal. Like I can't say like, okay, I think Lamar Jackson sucks. The guy just won MVP. Obviously, you you don't take what I say that literal. I just mean he's not a good pocket quarterback, things like that. Couple couple flaws that he has that I don't like. So by saying he sucks, it's just a general term. But there are people that hear that and they go, "You're a fucking idiot. He just won MVP." Like I get it. Well, people you just want to argue, Some people exactly. just want to watch it burn. And that's what I, I've kind of come to realize is that I, I, people take what I say too literal and they just want to argue with me. And that's where I start to go, okay, well, here's my reasoning on my thoughts. And here's why you're wrong. There's my nice way of doing it. That's usually what yeah, I do. Yeah, that's what you usually follow, which just entices somebody to get more right. mad and keep going. And so. that's why I like doing it because yeah. that's the ultimate way to like not shut somebody up, but to just stick it to them is just go, let me show you why you're wrong. And that's, I love doing that. Um, but yeah, so I got into a really dumb argument yesterday about the Astros thing and it was just... I had to bring it up on air. If you're going to try to go toe-to-toe with me on Facebook or whatever, wherever you want to argue, first off, I'm going to try to not be baited anymore. Secondly, bring your A-game because I'm bringing mine always. <laughs> you do get baited kind of easy sometimes. I do because when people say dumb shit like that, it just it blows my fucking mind. I have to be like, why Why would you think that? Like, I just like the comment to move on with life. I feel like it's my my job, which it isn't, but I feel like in my heart that it's my job to, to – uh, educate the world educate people about yeah, like no. here's why you're wrong I i've learned that the you. wrong way like i like kind of doing it too like i just like proving people wrong or like being like the one but there are some people that just literally are never going to accept no. it and they just do like i again i i like to hope that he was fucking around with me because the shit he would bring up about like he acted like you you'd have thought he was brian mccann's dad the way he like <laughs> he thought i was personally attacking brian mccann i didn't even fucking mention mccann he just happened to be in that picture that i sent and he was literally like, oh, you're telling me a 15-year vet, Brian McCann, he's not a good baseball player unless he's cheating? And then he went on to say, Mookie Betts uh, was with Alex Cora, and Alex Cora was cheating. Who's to say Mookie Betts is a good baseball player without Alex Cora? He dug that deep. Oh, he did. And I went back to say, well, Alex Cora was only in Boston for two years. Mookie Betts has been pretty fucking good for like five. So did I think he, did it's he safe out, to did say. Did he pull out McCann's like, career stats too? Uh, no, I think he was going to, but I just I stopped responding to the conversation because it was so stupid. <laughs> he had him teed up. He had so, screenshots. <laughs> I literally just, I was done. I just put the phone down, and I think that's the easiest thing to do is just walk away. Well, as this show continues to get bigger, those things are going to continue to happen. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not getting baited anymore. That. We'll get a, uh, here's what we'll do in the future. We'll we'll figure out a way to make this show live and to get callers. And this way, if oh, people want to argue with me, <laughs> we can do it on air. And when I prove my point and I'm right, they can hang up. I can just fucking hang up on you because I don't want to hear your stupid rebuttals because you're fucking going to be wrong always. I can't wait for the live part. We'll get there. It's coming. Yeah, absolutely. I want to figure out a way to do that. Um, speaking of baseball, really quick, Pete Rose has issued or submitted a reinstatement request by the uh, two, two Major League Baseball and to Rob Manford to get into the hall of fame and to be back and be allowed in baseball again perfect timing like, yeah and he's basing it completely off the astros and absolutely saying, look at what these players did 
and their punishment is nothing, I bet on some games and you're banning me for life. That's a little yeah. harsh. Yeah, I think this is perfectly timed. I think the MLB has nothing to stand on. I, yeah, they they have no choice but to let him in. I yeah, think if they I, tell him no on this, like that's that's gonna blow up. Like that to me, like with how with how pissed I am at the Indians right now. If they did that, that's justification for me to go. You know what? Fuck baseball for the year. I'm yeah, taking a year absolutely. off. Absolutely, I, I think this is perfectly timed by him and whoever advises him. Maybe it was just his idea, but could have been. Yeah, I mean, I think, genius though. I think truly. that once this came down, I, this Pete Rose in the corner, just like evilly like rubbing his oh, hands he was together. Happy as hell. And, he probably as soon as all this shit came out with the Astros and like the initial punishments started cracking, you know, he was probably like. All right, let's see what the players get. Then yep. we found out nobody's getting anything. Right. He's probably like, are you fucking yeah, kidding me? Yeah, this decision needs to come really quick and swift. They, they, you banned me for life, and these fucking guys get nothing? I think as soon as you unban him from baseball, you automatically make a special announcement that he's in the Hall of Fame, too. Yeah. And, and you know, that's the sad part, too, is he's, you know, the, the, the one of the greatest hitters of all time. And there's a chance that this guy is going to die without ever seeing himself in the Hall of Fame. And I also right. hope, you know... To, so he did. So he didn't die in vain. I like to think that the Kobe Bryant uh, death um, wakes some people could, up. Could, could make yeah. Could sure. make Major League Baseball go. You know what? It is really fucked up to think Kobe Bryant's never going to see himself get inducted into the Hall of Fame. Does Pete Rose deserve that for betting right. on games? Right. So I hope the decision comes quick. I really do. But I agree. I think it's it's way overdue. Yeah. I mean, like we said, perfect fucking timing for it. I think it's a no brainer that they do it, and. You know, they, they just have to, I think. Uh, so we officially have our four participants in the dunk contest. I just saw this news come down a second Aaron ago. Aaron Gordon's one of them, right? Yeah, he is the latest did one. You, He's officially did in. Did you see how high he looked the other day on TV? No, I believe Oh, it. my God. Go back and watch it. Um, it was on TNT. I think it was a players-only TNT version. And Shaq and them were on there interviewing him. Oh, this is probably the yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll watch that later. Um, he does look high as hell. He's, he's sitting in his hotel. But no, or Shaq played it off perfect. He's talking about at the end of the interview. He's like, "All right, man, go. Why don't you go smoke the competition?" And they're talking about how high he can get while dunking. Like he kept <laughs> on just dropping puns. It was hilarious. I like it. Um, yeah. So we'll record again before the All Star Weekend, and we'll do all that shit. We'll give some guesses on, you know, picks for all the skills competition shits. Everything like that, but that's about it for this week's episode. Unless you can think of anything else. Oh, uh, real quick, XFL starts Saturday. I oh know. yeah, yeah, XFL is starting. Um, uh... I haven't paid any attention to it to start off because I'm going to kind of just, since I don't have a dog in the fight. There's no Cleveland team or anybody playing that I give a fuck. I kind of really. I, I went through the rosters earlier today and just kind of examined who's on each roster. Um, they already have favorites of who's going to win, probably based on rosters alone. But um, Cardell Jones, he's playing for the DC. Yeah, it's uh, kind of nice. Um, there's a couple of Ohio State people on that DC team too, so mm-hmm. I'm kind of leaning towards them just based on Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but there's some interesting people out there. It should be. It should, the rules alone make it so it's a fast-paced football game. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens with it. But um, no, it starts on Saturday for the next eight weeks. Every Saturday, Sunday, 2 p.m. and 5 5 p.m. there will be a game on ESPN. So. And I'm excited for it too because it is essentially like a minor league system for. For the, for the pros, if you see some XFL guys go out there and kill it and dominate, then you go, oh, shit, an NFL team might be calling this guy in, in the in the spring. Well, that's what XFL is trying to do. They're trying to be that go-between between. between... Yeah. And I think that's a brilliant idea. So I can watch the XFL, and because there's not a Cleveland team, I can go in, into it like I kind of do with college, where I don't really have a rooting right. interest. And I just kind of watch and think, like, okay, this guy's really good. I think he'd be good for this team, and yep. this guy's good for that. Like, they're trying to take themselves a little more serious than the last time the XFL came out. Yeah. Um, but they're trying to be that go-between for college to NFL. Like, you know, if, if you're a college player and you just don't want to, you know, you don't want to, 
you know, play for free anymore, but you don't think you're ready for the NFL, you go and get paid by the XFL and yeah. play for a year. And get your name out of, there and go. Isn't uh, correct me if I'm wrong because I could be way wrong. Didn't Antonio Callaway go to an XFL team or somebody wanted him on an XFL team or something like that? I think he tried out for an XFL Is team that it? in okay. Tampa Bay, I believe. Maybe he did get signed by Tampa Bay. I don't really remember if you want to look that up, but I was, yeah. that was my thought too. Like That's a good thing for guys to show they're kind of rehabilitated. Now, I'm not saying Antonio Callaway is because... I truly don't think he is. I think if, if an NFL team ever signed him. Yeah, he's a receiver for the Tampa Bay Vipers. Okay, so he is officially on yeah. there. I mean, that could, yeah. be, that could be good for him to where he goes there for a season, shows that he's, I don't know what their testing policy is in the XFL, if they even have a drug testing policy. Well, they're policy. staying away from the troublemakers. They're not going after Gordon. They're not signing um, like Johnny Menzel. Like they're, they're distancing themselves from what the NFL believes are troublemakers. Yeah. Um, but I meant like with a guy like Antonio oh, Callaway, sure. who's, who's – Let's get it. You know, let's not get it twisted. He's more than likely burned every bridge for the NFL. I would think um, at this point, going into year two, and he's already been suspended multiple times, and he's facing a six-game suspension now. I think it is, or maybe more. Yeah, like he's so, on the list or whatever you want. Yeah, to call so it. he's officially on the list, which goes to show you that this guy hasn't learned. So this could be a thing of again. I don't know how they do it in the XFL, but maybe if he goes there and plays one year and he plays great and stays clean a team's gonna sign him let him sit out the suspension and then say fuck it let's see what you can do for right. us you know so right. it's good let guys rehabilitate themselves somewhere. i like the fact there's gonna be some nfl players on his team like nfl talent because i've always thought that's the biggest issue with the nfl and their suspension policy their way of saying you fucked up and you need to get your life on track is saying you can't go near anywhere near your team or your play your teammates or anything like that so if you have issues staying clean <clears throat> on your own we are now going to make you be alienated for a long period of right. time. And I think that's the worst thing to do. And that's what happens to guys like Josh Gordon. He gets suspended. He has to spend all that time away from the facility. And he just so he falls right back into and it. And hangs out with friends. And yeah, he's got no structure. Same, and I, same thing's happening to Brown, too, now. Antonio Brown. I mean, yeah. it's going to be. I mean, that guy was fucking up while he was still on teams. Right. He had nothing to do with suspensions. Right. But that guy's, like that. that guy's just a couple steps away from being right back. Like, oh, I mean, what, I could. It's he, crazy. He, I think he's going to be dead or in jail within the next year. Like, yeah. there's a good chance if he doesn't straighten shit out because he is fucked up. Crazy man, such a talented wide receiver too. It's yeah. insane. Uh, but he but yeah, played for the all... Steelers, so fuck him. Couldn't happen to a better guy. <laughs> <laughs> him and Ben Roethlisberger can die together. Yeah, I hope Ben goes to try to help him rehabilitate himself, and Antonio Brown somehow gets both of them killed. That'd be great. Uh, fuck um, Pittsburgh. But yeah, that's all. I mean, it's it. And XFL, that's it. Saturday, no, I'll Sunday. Definitely I'd be watching. curious I would what like, happens. I would like to talk about that next week if uh, if if it's as interesting as we're hoping. If it sucks, I'm just gonna not even fuck. I'm gonna ignore it. <laughs> yeah, no. I'm, I'll, I'll tune in Saturday to see, and if it's I'm worth watching, I'm gonna treat it like we'll a go. suspended player in the NFL. And I'm not <laughs> talking. Then didn't even happen. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's all I got, man. That's it for me. Yeah, we covered a lot. So uh, by this time next week, we'll be able to talk more about whatever trades happen, if any do, in the NBA. XFL is officially underway. And we will get into our first um, like uh, beginning stages of NFL draft prep for all teams. And, you know, I, I posted on Facebook the other day, if, you, if you're not a Browns fan, because that's a team that we obviously focus on in this show because we're both Browns fans, um... Let us know who your favorite teams are, and I'll be more than happy to give you my thoughts on what they should do and, and where they should be looking in the draft, free agency, whatever, maybe restructuring some guys, whatever. Uh, I would love to do that. I, lo- I love doing it for all 32 teams, so send not, me your not shit. Not before he tells you why you're wrong for choosing that team, though. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, I mean, if you're not rooting for the Browns, I'm just kidding. No, uh, no, no lie today. I honest to God, it was the closest I've been to just not being a Browns fan. I'll get into that another time, but the the press conferences today, I was literally at work, and I texted my friends, and I'm like, I've never wanted to not root for the Browns more in my life than right now. Like I just see it as the Titanic, and this is just a sink, a slowly sinking ship. 
that will never, ever come to the surface. <laughs> like, I saw people tweeting, you know, oh, my God, Kansas City, the fans are hugging. It's been 50 years. Guys are crying, hugging their dads. They finally get to see a championship, and people are like, man, I can't wait till I get to do that, or I hope that happens with me and my dad. And I'm thinking in my head, like, well, if you're a Browns fan, like, Sorry, it ain't it ain't it didn't happen, and I'm, I apologize. Luckily, though, the money you're saving on us not going to the Super Bowl, you can give your dad a great funeral. Yeah, that's the best, <laughs> that's the best advice I can give to people because I wouldn't bank on it anytime soon. Uh, it's depressing. I'm just disgusted with them, and you know, like I said, I could I could talk about it for hours. I have, so <laughs> I'm done with it. <laughs> but uh, that's it. So we will talk to you guys uh, about a week or so. Yeah, that's it. See you later.